blessings and welcome to another episode of the fruits of life podcast i am your host omega fruits and i thank you for joining me for another conversation that is going to blow some people's minds and for others it might just assist you along your process and taking care of a child even if you have already three children four children or what have you i know when i was younger when i became a new mom i wish i had the kind of supports that i'm bringing to you all now uh so i really hope that you are enjoying this content and it's creating value for your life if you're joining us for the first time please hit that subscribe button and drop a rating and review so that you can help this station grow um, help this podcast reach many more people and um hey get your baggie ready open it up so that you can collect some of these jewels that we're dropping all right enjoy All right, everyone, give thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm really excited about this segment on elimination communication because I had no idea that babies could be potty trained as infants until my third baby. It definitely reminds me of how amazing our babies are and how huge is our responsibility in their learning. So uh, today I have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, Sister Jillian Fox Majuta. Um, I'm going to introduce you to all her greatness, <laughs> and then we're going to dive right in to really find out what is elimination communication and how we can practice this at in our homes. Jillian Fox Majuta is the founder of Majuta Wellness. She is passionate about creating spaces for families to live their most fulfilling lives from birth onward. Her mission is to learn, grow, and share ways to heal and elevate as a community. Most recently, she is excited to be a collective member of the New Jersey Birth Justice Collective, working with other organizations to change maternal and child health outcomes throughout the state of New Jersey. Jillian has completed a 200-hour Kemetic Yoga certification through Master Yasir Rahotep. She trained as a holistic health coach through the Legacy Holistic Health Institute and is also, has also received training as a trauma-informed yoga and prenatal yoga instructor. She is committed to galvanizing individuals, families, and communities to find greater peace through the lens of healing from trauma and finding strength within. Jillian has found many ways to use yoga and mindfulness in work, presentations, when parenting her two cubs, and through various parts of her life. But today, we are going in about elimination communication, so sis. Please, can you help us understand what is elimination communication so that our listeners can, we all can be on the same page? All right. Well, thank you for the introduction. Um, so elimination communication, if you kind of break down the concept, elimination, basically speaking about eliminating waste from the body, communication, we know what communication is, right, how we are able to share information between each other. And so for elimination communication, when it comes to potty training and learning how and when our children are eliminating waste from their bodies, it's basically as parents being able to step back and observe and connect with our youth, regardless of the age, to figure out when they're ready to eliminate 
and figuring out what cues they're giving to communicating that they're ready to eliminate. So a lot of times in our society, we are, you know, we're prone to using diapers, right? So we, and, and sometimes we know as parents when they're, okay, he must be pooping or I think he just peed or whatever it is. Um, when we take the diaper away, it forces us to pay more attention to what the exact signs are for each type of elimination. So elimination communication is basically just learning the way your infant or your child is communicating when they are ready to eliminate, and then creating a space for them to be able to eliminate in the ways that are acceptable for the community or the space that you're currently occupying. Awesome. That's great. I appreciate you stating that it's a connection with the youth. And a conversation I had with another sister, another mom, we spoke about trusting our youths to kind of lead us in different ways. And this is definitely one way that we are able to trust our youths to lead us in what their needs are. One thing I also learned about elimination communication is the fact that um, we were teaching them from the onset what is appropriate quote-unquote appropriate behavior as opposed to unlearning how to not go to the bathroom on themselves exactly and again I love the whole concept of trusting because not only are they teaching us to trust them but they are also teaching us that they can trust themselves yes Right. So trust is a huge thing, especially as adults. We are often our trust for ourselves is taken away very early on. Um, And with this type of concept, um, it's very it goes very closely to what um, here we coin as attachment parenting um, in that we become very connected with our children and our children become very connected with us. And in turn, we become more connected with ourselves, both as children and as adults. So we're able to trust our ability to make the best decisions for us. Yes. Early, early on. Yes, yes. That's great. Right, so I'm glad you highlighted attachment parenting because that is a subject that I did go into on another segment of our podcast uh, where we basically are um, trusting our children, tr- establishing empowerment in them early on you know we're giving them that gift of being empowered to trust themselves to communicate to be responded to for their needs to be attended to from the onset so that's really powerful thank you for for making that connection yeah no problem they're kind of one in the same you know indeed indeed so question for you how and when did you learn about elimination communication Okay, so when I was a Peace Corps volunteer, before I even thought about becoming a parent, um, my host niece, who was very young at the time, I don't know how old she was, she was walking, so maybe she was like 18 months or something like that, when she had to go to the bathroom, she just pulled out her, she just went to the bathroom, (laughs) there was never really a conversation around what was going on, it was just the norm. Um, So I served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Botswana, Southern Africa, and it was just kind of in the yard where she had to go, she would would go. Mm. And I started to have conversations with my host mother about the potty training process. Um, 
So I thought it was very interesting that they just said, you know, if if the baby has to go, they go, whether it has to do with affording diapers or not. Um, they're often, the babies are often spend time outside, spending time outside. Um, and so you're noticing when they have to go or shortly after a meal or something, that's when they have to go. So now in reflection, I realized that was my introduction to elimination communication before I even knew there was a concept with a coined term, right? Right. So then, so that was what, 2007? So fast track to my first pregnancy, 2011, 2010, 2011, I was part of a group, um, I won't say the name, but I was a part of a group that was all about holistic parenting, and the concept came up. And I was like, this does not make any sense. People are putting their babies on the toilet at weeks old. I don't understand. Wow. (laughs) Am I really going to do this? And that's how I was introduced to it. Got it. That's amazing. Now, did you learn, I I heard you say that, you know, you learned about this while you were in the Peace Corps in Botswana. So have you learned of other countries, cultures, or groups that, you know, just intuitively practiced elimination communication? So I do know there's the Khoisan people in Botswana, and they're in the northern part of Botswana, and they still practice um, you know, they just respect the earth and the body, so everything is full circle. Got it. Um, and everything has a purpose, so I know most about them. I also know there are a bunch of indigenous groups of people around the world who live with the land and with the cycles of the universe, and so clothing is not the way we see clothing. Right. We definitely will, um, you know, look further into that because it is a lifelong learning process to just gain wisdom from these indigenous cultures that have been practicing these very normal practices um, that we're just kind of getting to know (laughs) in our modern day in the U.S. Right. But then I I would also even challenge that thought because sometimes if we go back to our own lineage here when we were forced to come to the, to be in the U.S., there were some practices that we had in place. So even when I speak to my great-great-grandmother, she would speak to me about how diapers were not a thing, and there was a cloth, and if you ran out of the cloth, you the child just went to the bathroom. Maybe they just had a space where, you know, she said maybe after they ate or something, the child would always go to one particular space, and they knew when they had to go. So it wasn't necessarily directing them to a toilet or a potty per se, but just being able to understand when the elimination process was going to happen. When we study history, we oftentimes are not thinking about how infants are cared for, and we rarely are thinking about how infants are diapered. So let's just take a moment to consider that, right? Let's think about ancient Kemet, let's think about the Maya, let's think about other ancient civilizations who obviously have had babies and um, who needed to tend to the baby's elimination needs. Um, so our ancestors had to take advantage and use whatever creative methods and materials were available to them in that time. And just like baby wearing is not a new thing, I'm sure elimination communication is not a new thing either. I'm sure these ancient people had ways of tending to the needs of babies in that time that was conducive to their civilizations. So now as we consider 
uh, how Africans were shackled, chained, and stolen out of Africa and brought over to the Americas against their will, uh, one should also consider that all was basically stripped of the African man, woman, and child. Uh, so then if you think of coming to a space where even your language has been taken from you, your religion, uh, your practices, uh, your family members, um, tending to a pregnant African woman and her then birth and then her infant is far from uh, a sensitive topic for a slave master and so I can only imagine that African women needed to do whatever they needed to do to make sure that their child was taken care of out even beyond the horrific experiences they were dealing with because once they give birth to a child I mean you know there there's love there um, so I'm sure African women needed to do what needed to be done in terms of being aware of the environment, being considerate of an infant's uh, need and necessity to release. Uh, so elimination communication, once again, regardless, right, must have been within the practice, even though it didn't may not have had a name right um because in that time really there was no convenience of diapers in that time it was basically basically cloths and you know i mean just like the skin upon our back you know africans needed to work with whatever they had upon their back or whatever little scrap of fabric uh they had obtained or you know were given uh under slavery from um slave masters right so i'm just recognizing the fact that even through such horrific conditions a mother is still a mother and a mother has to take care of her child and tend to her needs uh and so again there are ways that our ancestors have tended to their babies in a way that was aware that was in tune and that basically was appropriate for its given environment or for their given environment and on top of that the diaper disposable diaper industry really didn't get on and popping until the mid-1900s the global disposable baby diaper industry has grown to 49 billion dollars in 2016 and now is expected to reach 70.4 billion in 2024 so it definitely is an industry that has evolved over time it is a practice that has evolved over time and so maybe with one's awareness and one's availability we may be able to change that dynamic once again and return to kind of our roots right where we paid more attention to our babies or we're more present for our babies so that we can uh, accommodate their needs and teach them how to release in a proper place all right so now let's get back to sister Jillian's experience so we we had more time to be in tune with each other yes oh yes so two things I'm hearing from you as I'm listening um diapers are like a privilege and it's also it's it's a privilege with negative effects basically you know (laughs) it it kind of hinders the connection between caregivers and infants or children as well as it constipates the earth (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, elimination communication 
it really just took place naturally. It really took place naturally without any uh, coaching necessarily or what have you. It's, it's just a, a natural process when you understand the body, you understand the natural cycles of the body, and you just make a space for it. Right. Make a space right. for communication. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so, when you really, really think about it, it's such a simple thing, you know? Um, but yet in our fast-paced environment and society, it's so difficult to pay attention and make space and slow down enough to learn the cues our babies express. Right. Yeah. That's so true. That's and, and I'm so happy that you brought up the fast-paced environment because even being able to now practice elimination communication is kind of a privilege, too. When I think about elimination communication being a privilege, especially for black and brown women in this time, I think about the fact that most of us have to hurry and return to work after our babies are but a few weeks old. No matter how difficult and how painful it is for us to bring our babies into daycare centers to be cared for throughout the majority of the morning and daytime hours, uh, we have to return to work um, to sustain our standard of living. In 2018, uh, 10.7 million black women were employed and uh, 10.3 million Latina women were employed in the United States. So, you know, this speaks to the fact that uh, we're unable to really accommodate our children to be present with our children throughout the majority of the morning and daytime so that we can pay attention to these cues uh, because we're out of the house working as opposed to being at home with our babies and um, raising them being with them uh sharing with them their first experiences now that's not to knock the sisters who have to go out and grind and get it done uh in any way shape or form it's just the fact that we do live in a society where um that is required of us some of us choose to do so but a lot of us go through a lot of pain uh, when we have to put our babies in daycare uh, so my heart does go out to all of you and I just want to just you know bring light to that fact that um, although we may want to stay at home oftentimes we cannot stay at home to be present with our babies and uh, be available for them you know be there when they experience their uh, first steps their first walk their first elimination in a potty for example you know um yeah so I just wanted to kind of put that in perspective I had to just jump right in there and add my two cents but now let's get back to the interview um so I have two two sons right yeah and the oldest one when he was born um his father and I my husband and I were still together so I had a whole lot of support to be able to you know, we used cloth diapers. We did elimination communication. He was on the potty at six weeks old, and I had that support. Whoa, now, whoa, when I, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. I need to interrupt. Right? Slow that down and say that again. <laughs> six weeks. Come on. Say that one more time. <laughs> at six weeks old, we had him on a potty. So we decided before I gave birth that this was something we would give a try. We would try it out for about a month or two, and if it was you know, hocus pocus, hokey pokey, <laughs> you know, whatever, um, then we would move on. Got it. Apparently, so it's stuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so literally at six weeks, like, we had a potty, you know, before I gave birth, 
at six weeks old, the potty lived on, so it worked out well for us. We had a sink with two, we had a um, a bathroom that had two sinks. It had the dual sinks, right? Right. And it had a space in between where the potty could sit, and there was a mirror in front of it. So, of course, he couldn't really see a side, couldn't really see the mirror um, at that age because it was so far away. But we would just hold him over it. Um, support his back, and he would eliminate that way. And I would say after a good week of him understanding when he was going to the potty or us understanding when he needed to go, he eventually, like, I, I could go, we use cloth diapers, right? So I could go a full day and only use two diapers. Wow. Because he was going to the potty. Yes. That's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, our children really thrive on routine. I'm, I'm learning more and more. And once you establish the order, it's, it's pretty easy for them to kind of fall in line and say, oh, okay, well, that's what we're doing. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, it took a, a week for you to establish a routine and you, you, Assad to really just jump on and say, all right, well, that's where it goes. Let's go. <laughs> you mentioned children being able to kind of fall into the routine of things. And I think, too, what elimination communication taught me very early on in my parenting journey was that I'm not the only one setting the routine. Right. Because I had to observe him and what his movements were in order for me to be able to say, OK, I need to fit into his routine versus him being forced to fit into the routine that I'm establishing. Yes. So I feel like we were both. I think that the elimination communication and cloth diapering journey kind of set me up to realize that, okay, yes, you birthed this being, but you are truly a vessel. And now you get to communicate with a different type of force because mm. we were forced to be able to work with each other. And I feel like the open communication and we started talking to him when, you know, he was still in utero and I swear he knows and remembers some of <laughs> that communication. Yes. Wow. It's, it's powerful bringing forward life and tending to life and grooming our children and allowing our children to groom us is totally a treasure and a powerful experience. I'm so glad you brought up those points, you know, because we as adults said this before as adults we 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 tend to think that we can control this little being because they came through us mm -hmm. um, but it really is a fact that we are a vessel and they have so much to teach us right yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am of that school of thought absolutely I appreciate that you mentioned that you use cloth diapers and all and you see my my little man is uh right here behind me reading um so this is a truly mom experience <laughs> yay <laughs> you know yeah he's definitely within the mix so um i want to carry on the conversation and ask um did you allow diaper free time with your sons or did you um basically use a cloth diaper and then just lead him to the elimination station <laughs> Yeah, we we spent okay. 
diaper free time was essential, especially in the beginning of our um, EC, so elimination communication journey. Um, that's what really helped me to understand his cues. Mm. So he would, I wore him a lot and I wore him on my skin a lot. So by wearing, I mean, I would use a towel or a sarong or I had a couple of structured baby carriers and he would be naked and I would be shirtless mm-hmm. and he would be on me. And it only took me to get peed on about one time <laughs> for me to realize what he was trying to tell me. I was about to say, was it messy? But you answered me. <laughs> so we did do diaper free time in that way. Um, and I think the fact that he was always on a body was also helpful in us learning his communication um, as he reached what, like, so we had him on the potty at six weeks old, the the oldest child. We had him on the potty at six weeks old. And I would say we got into a good flow by the time he was maybe two months, two and a half months. And so by then he was strong enough for us to just have him laying on the towel. He wasn't yet, you know, rolling over anything yet. And we had carpet, so we had to be mindful. Um, We did take, you know, those things that you take outside that are kind of waterproof. We would put that down first and then put a blanket or something over it just so that the carpet wouldn't get all, you know, blessed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So we would put that on there. And he would spend a lot. He's a summer baby. So born in August, we didn't have to keep him clothed often. And he didn't wear clothing often he didn't have to wear diapers that much um and even when we would travel to like my mother's house or something like that we would um you know allow him to take his diaper off and be free because I also felt like that would help him be more comfortable with other people and I would say this too so communication is is very interesting right because the way I communicate with you, sis, is very different than the way I'm going to communicate with my mother, right? Right. And I felt like he learned different ways to communicate when he was with me than when he was with my fa- with his father or when he was mm. with my mother. Um, so I, w- I stayed home until, you know, for maybe like maybe two months. And then I went okay. back to work intermittently. So okay. he was home. You know, I would work... Th- three days a week and then, you know, two days a week, then three days a week like that. So for the days where I had to work and he couldn't be with um, my husband, he would go with my grandmother. Okay. And she was not putting him on the potty. And I think that in the beginning, it took some time for him to figure out what his process would be. Um, and I'm talking about Assad at this point to figure out right. what his process would be during the day, because I can say his in his entire life, I have changed two poop diapers. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that was a good thing or a not so good thing when he wasn't with me all day, because when I would pick him up from my grandmother's house, the first thing I would do is take him to the potty and he would release almost like everything. Oh, Huh. So I wonder if he was holding it. Right. Because at this yeah. point, he he wasn't used to having that on his body. Got it. 
And so, you know, we did have to do some education around, you know, the cloth diapers because the ones I was using were different from the ones she used in the past, meaning my grandmother. Um, you know, so we had to work through that process. But I ended up getting into a routine where I would get to her house, put him on a potty, he would release. Right? Okay. Then he would go through the day. When I picked him up again, I would nurse him and then put him on the toilet before we left and he would release. You know, so that he's not feeling constipated (laughs) or, you know, whatever throughout the day. So it was definitely a learning process for the family. Right. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned the family because I'm like, okay, you have a certain way of doing things in your home. Oftentimes our families do not live those same practices. Um, So it can be a challenge in navigating through these changes or it could be a challenge for the babies to navigate. But again, they are so amazing that they learn some kind of way to cope with the change. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and Asad's coping method probably was just holding until he got home. Right. You know, or till, yeah, till yeah. mommy or daddy got to him. And I right. used to sit with that thought too, because I also didn't want him to feel like he could only poop at home, you know, right. That's unhealthy. So I would be very mindful that wherever I picked him up, I would take him to whatever the bathroom toileting space was before I realized I should probably carry a port. I didn't know there was a portable potty that could fold or whatever. So I I ended up getting one of those. Um, But Mm. I think it also taught him, it pushed me to figure out the best ways for him to communicate. Then that's when I was introduced kind of his journey to communicate when he had to release just guided me into baby sign language. So then I would Mm -hmm. teach him the signs for when he wanted milk, when he wanted to go to the bathroom, when he wanted mommy, like I would teach him those signs. And of course I would have to teach the family those signs too. Right. Right. So it just becomes this whole, like he was literally educating the entire family just by his spirit being what it was. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So that, that ended up being really helpful for the process yeah that's amazing that that's powerful because i'm thinking about how you started how you learned about elimination communication it was in a community setting and then i'm thinking of how you've implemented elimination communication in your own home and you it 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 became a community process a family-based community process so that's awesome (laughs) yeah just within itself yeah that that's really like living it right Mm mm-hmm that's awesome. Um, so now you mentioned uh, breastfeeding. I'm curious. So this might be a, a challenging for folks that want to try uh, elimination communication. When the baby has to poop, that that it, there are signs that are obvious, but maybe not so much when your child has to urinate. Mm-hmm. So aside from having the experiences of being urinated on, (laughs) um, did you have, or did you realize some kind of schedule, like after you nursed, you know, X amount of time after you nursed was probably a good time to go and show him to release. Mm -hmm. Yep. Did did you have that kind of practice? And, And what did that look like for those that would like to try elimination communication? So I think that spending time with your child is important, right? Because the way he communicated was very different from the way my second child communicated. 
Oh. Um, and his release patterns were different, right? So for Assad, we um, I would take him as soon as we w- woke up. <clears throat> excuse me. He would nurse, and then I would take him to the potty. Okay. We would play for a while, and then he used to do this thing with his left leg. And that was like, okay, let me have you. <laughs> but I wouldn't know that. Like somebody told me to, I read that doing diaper free time, you really become aware. You become aware, you know, so he would do this thing with his leg and then his um, penis would begin to stand up. Right. Okay. And then mm-hmm. we get a waterfall, right? After two waterfalls, that's when I realized, okay, this leg is the sign that something is coming. Yes. So I would go there. So I guess I would say for people to spend as much time literally with your child, not next to your child on the phone or Mm -hmm. reading a book, but literally spending the time with your child. We did a lot of reading and singing and talking. And um, people used to always say I was a little crazy because I would just talk to him like he was. I was in school at the time. So I would mm-hmm. read my homework with him and I would ask him questions. I was doing economics. <laughs> and so I'm reading my economics. I'm like, what do you think this is? What I don't understand. You know, I would talk to him like this. And when yeah. he started to make noises, I would literally be with him. Um, I would put my book, you know, I might read a paragraph and then put it down and talk to him about what I'm reading, which was also helping me to get it. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah>. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the right. That's the time we spent communicating like we literally communicated verbally and non-verbally because we spent so much time together now I am mindful that sometimes people don't connect with their children early on and it doesn't make anybody a bad parent but you know different things can happen um I'm grateful that I didn't experience postpartum depression or anything during that time so you know Mm -hmm. those are some things to kind of keep in mind Um, because it could feel like, oh, I'm still, I'm failing at this too, you know? So remembering to be kind to to yourself throughout the process. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because just having a baby flips your whole life around. Word. Have to change and, you know, everything changes in your life. Your whole rhythm changes. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're breastfeeding, sometimes that can be a challenge. And then put on top of that elimination communication, um, it definitely is important to make sure you're connected with other mothers and, you know, other folks that you can speak to, that you can release with, that you can share experiences with, um, because you're not alone, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and, and, and just be kind. Definitely be kind to yourself. I appreciate you saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely be kind because postpartum depression is, is a is a real real thing, um, but we can counter it um, by community for one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree definitely. with that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, so now, you mentioned briefly um, how your family got involved in everything. Did you have any? folks around you that just was like, yo, you are crazy. Babies wear diapers. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yep. So many people, not many people put him on the potty, but they were very interested in seeing <laughs> what was going on. Okay. So that was another lesson in communication for me. 
Yes. Because I also wanted to make sure my children understood that this was a private, a private space as well. Yeah. Um, so I would have to like there were certain people who just weren't going to do it. And I had to respect and honor that. But there right. were other people who didn't mind if they were watching him. And early on, there weren't there weren't many times where he wasn't with me, my father, me, his father, excuse me. Um, or we weren't close by. Okay. So most of the time when it came to pottying, actually putting him on the potty, it was mostly the two of us. And then Dee Dee, their godmother, my cousin, she may have tried, if I remember correctly, she may have done it one or two times, but it was mostly their father and I, um, who went through that process. And I think that they stopped um having negative comments about it very quickly when they realized that it was a thing and they were also happy that they were not changing poop diapers yeah um, and i think it became less of a surprise when i was like oh no he has to go to the bathroom i would take him to the bathroom and you know he would handle his business you know very quickly because mm-hmm. we just had that connection got it um so i think that was helpful but there were definitely people who were like I am not. Listen, I'll do the cloth diapers and, you know, now I know what I'm supposed to do with your breast milk and all of that. But I am not holding this infant over the toilet or over the potty. (laughs) And I had to not force it, you know. Yes, I love that. I love that because it's easy to force our practices upon our family and then create distance mm-hmm. between ourselves and our families. And that shouldn't happen when we have such a beautiful gift in between us. Um, so I just want to backtrack a little bit and, and just say like, whoa, sis, you were reading your economics to your baby. Listen. And- <laughs> I mean, let me not go on without just highlighting the fact that you was building vocabulary like on some very high level <laughs> I love it I love that and and that's what we should do sometimes we get caught up oh what do I say to a baby especially as a new mom mm-hmm. the, the idea is just to talk you and and you mentioned singing as well even if you're not a singer like myself hey I'm singing about everything we're putting mm-hmm. on pants we're singing about one leg in and then the other foot and all of that <laughs> like, exactly definitely just take every opportunity to to give and to just build language and you know, fill their space. Right. And it's all part of communication. Indeed. indeed. It's all part of communication. I work with um, parents now and, you know, every single child is a whole type. It could be a disruption like each time. Mm. Right. Um, And sometimes working with parents who are still in school, whether they're teenagers or not, they're like, well, I don't have time to do this and Mm. I have to study this and study that. And I'm like, listen, have you ever thought about wrapping that baby on you and I used to literally we had a hallway in our house I would walk up and down you know mm-hmm. he's fussy he needed to calm down but I also needed to study I would wrap him on me and I would literally walk and read my stuff out loud yeah. and the, the sound of my voice and you know um Zaid recently told me mommy it's not we're not hearing sound we're hearing vibrations I said okay mm-hmm. excuse, <laughs> excuse me excuse me how old are you son He's he's six now. And he said that. Yes. This vibration powerful. And so I'm thinking about that now and reflecting on when they were infants, 
and I have them on my body as I'm reading, I'm, they are feeling and hearing that vibration. Yes. And so it's naturally calming. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. So I think that that the elimination communication journey for me was a very powerful introduction to an infant's, a being's ability to communicate all of their needs from early on. Wow. Yeah. And I had to literally step away from me, Jillian, mother, in charge, in control, to realize, no, you were chosen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to facilitate growth, not yeah. just for yourself, and to be open enough to hear and receive and give communication to another being. Yes. Wow. That's a lesson. And and it takes a person that is somewhat in tune, you know, to, to realize that that process to realize they I'm a vessel I'm not going to control this situation I'm here to learn as well right Um, yeah yeah that's powerful um yeah our children really teach us they're our teachers really Mm -hmm. um so now for someone who has a child that's already a little bit older I know you had your baby's potty trained (laughs) at six weeks how about those that have reached six months and are just learning about elimination communication how about those that have a nine-month-old a 12-month-old you know is it too late um what do you think about that so so I'll say so I did elimination communication full on with Assad right he's my firstborn Okay. Then with Zaid, my second born, I only did it for maybe the first two months. Okay. And then I reached a hardship, right? And I wasn't able, I wasn't as in tuned with myself enough to be as connected with him in that way, right? Mm. And so I found it to be a lot more challenging to do the process with him. I don't think it's impossible, but I am aware of where I was and mm-hmm. how my awareness was just very different with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, knowing what I know now, I may have been working through some depression at that time. Okay. Um, so I just wasn't as in tune with him. Now I do know some people who started a little bit later um, because again, it is about the communication between the two beings, right? Right. The parent and the child. And um setting up space for the child to release. Um, So I'm not of the school of thought that you need to have a potty in every room. Okay. Whereas some people do. Um, I wasn't comfortable with that. Right. Um, But I do know that there have been people who have used some of the techniques to understand and to communicate. Um. What was going on? I use some of the elimination communication patterns with older children. I think with older children, the co- the conversations are different. Yes. Right. Yes. Because yes. now you have opportunities to talk about anatomy. Right. Um, so, yes. you know, I would have conversations about the function of the penis right. with my old with, you know, the older they got, I would have conversations about, okay, when you notice your penis is beginning to stand up, right. you know, you've got a soldier. Maybe now it's time for us to run to the potty. You know, when you have a soldier, let's run to the potty. Take the, 
take the soldier to the party, you know, something like that. Yes, yes. Um, so we would do things like that mm-hmm. with the older children now. Mm-hmm. I'll say with elimination communication, I had way fewer challenges when it came to um, pooping than right. when I didn't use elimination communication. I say to myself, I, no matter what, I will try my best to do elimination communication again okay. um, with any children I have in the future from okay. the early onset because I feel like they have a different understanding of their body earlier on. You know, when they start the process earlier and there's a lot more, you mentioned early on in the pot in, in this interview, not needing to undo what they learned about going in a diaper. Right. Mm -hmm. And I will say, again, I recognize my privilege in that I lived in a space where I could allow the children to go outside and play naked. Okay, right, right. And so that was the way we practice elimination. Um, but we would we would have conversations about it before if if I was present when it was happening, because if it was outside and they were playing, you know, further away in the yard, then maybe I'm not there to talk about what's going on in their body as they're eliminating. But we would have conversations about it after, you know, oh well, what did you notice beforehand? Did you feel something in your body? Oh, this is also, you know, just speaking about this now is making me realize how much um, what well, bodily autonomy comes into play with this from early on. You know, talking about emotions and physical feelings in your body. What did you feel before you had to go? How did you know you need to run and go? Right. You know, yes. things like that. How did you feel after? Did yes. you feel good? Do you, you know, just having those conversations, the older they got. Yes. Um. Yes. And sometimes their responses were just nods because if they didn't have the words for it, you know, I just had to figure out what that is. But I don't think the earlier you can have the space for yourself to, you know, communicate and have that awareness with your child, I think the better. But I never think it's too late. Right. I appreciate that. Um, As mentioned, I have three boys. Yes. You know, ranging from 16, 12, and now a year, 12 months. Um, And I didn't learn about elimination communication. I didn't know of it until this time around. And even with my knowledge, I didn't practice it right away. Now that my son is 12 months, I'm like, you know what? Let me try this. And I do find throughout all the research I've I've looked at, uh, experiences and tips, I found our experience, there is, within our experience, there's a lot of communication, you know, we're going to the potty, we're actually going to the bathroom to clean it out, you know, washing our hands, you know, it's like this whole ordeal. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And and it is indeed a whole lot of conversation throughout the whole process, right? right? So I could definitely see that. And it's a learning, it's a learning for myself as well, as it is a learning for him. Mm-hmm. Um, now yeah. I will say that some people do some people have very clear distinction on when it becomes potty training versus elimination communication and okay. I would encourage people to not get caught up in that you yes. know because yes. what you do with your family is what you do with your family and you get to call it whatever you want right <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and I do feel like um I guess a point, a tip I would give to families who want to try 
is to not necessarily force yourself to do it all day. Maybe you say, we're going to try and catch the first pee or the first poop or, you know, the first wee or the first poo. Right. And have that be a celebration when you catch it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's kind of like what we're doing, <laughs> you know, is difficult when we're on the road um, or, you know, other things are happening uh, where I can't be completely attentive. Let's say I'm cooking dinner, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll stop what I'm doing. Oh, do you have to poop? Let's go run and, you know, see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I really try not to stress over it, you know, because they learn quickly regardless and I don't want them to pick up on the stress of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Instead, we'll pick up the celebration, pick up yeah. the success, you know, mm-hmm. anytime we get it. <laughs> I also think that it's important when if your child is mobile, right? Yeah. To allow them to get to the space with your encouragement, right? Uh-huh. So like if you've noticed that whichever elimination you're attempting to catch generally happens around the same time of day to begin to work your way to that space, understanding where they are with their mobilization. Mm. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, we had two potties in the household, in the house. We didn't have multiple ones. And we had a a small two-bedroom condo at the time. And we had a potty in the bathroom. And then we had a potty in the space where we spent most of our time. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was very surprising to me. Like, I used to always carry, you know, I was carrying him a lot, um, wearing him a lot. So it was just that. But when he started to get mobile mobile, and he was spending more time on his own just in spaces, I do remember being super hyper excited when I actually saw him get to the space when I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. And he missed you know, because I also didn't realize that, you know, I'm teaching a boy to a boy. <laughs> right. And so he's sitting down, but he didn't, you know, I'm, I was usually tucking and he, you know, I had to, I had to develop new language for him to be able to make it there. But right. the, the point I'm making is that he was able to get there on his own. So he knew what his body was communicating with him mm. for him to get there and do that. And sometimes when we're not on it, because We've had these conversations over and over. Mm-hmm. They are able to go ahead and eliminate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They learned. They they followed the routine. They followed the order. They, you know, the connections, the the neurologic connections have have made their way to the action. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, do you happen to remember when either of your two boys started just going on their own, making their way to the potty on their own? I feel like with the oldest one, he didn't start walking until after one. But I do remember the first time I remember seeing him get to the potty, he crawled. So he was almost one. Okay. Um, but he would give me the signs. Yeah. Of when he needed me to take him before he was mobile. Was like he gave, we were doing baby sign. So he would give me the signs that he needed me to get him there. Mm-hmm. Um, then for, for Zaid, I don't remember. And I think this may have happened in his childcare center. So we were living in California. I feel like everything is just freedom there. And I do remember them asking me if I was okay with him playing, you know, 
diaper free in that okay. space because he was getting to that age and mm. I had built a they, they became like family and they didn't have a whole lot of children and all of that and I was okay with that That's and awesome. I remember them calling to tell me that he had gone I was like oh my god <laughs> and at this point he was almost one okay so okay. yeah I would yeah. say I would say with both of them with um with Asad and now I'm thinking I probably shouldn't have said their names but it's okay because I am trying to um, give them the freedom to share what they want to share. But it's it's all good. Mm, um, well, thank you, young king. <laughs> for sharing um, your experience, little mom, today, <laughs> even though without permission. Right, right. And, and you know, I'm mindful of, I'm, I'm on this whole journey to raise free people. And so I'm learning along this journey of what I'm using that is controlling and making decisions for them. So I'm just mm. mindful of that. So I did want to mention that, but yes, I do yes. feel like, um, so with one of them, when we did elimination communication from the onset and we were very um, diligent with the process, we had no problems when it came to toileting or pottying or, you know, however you want to call it. But we did have more challenges when elimination communication was not a, part of the process throughout the entire time here on earth (laughs) got it got it huh that's interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, so a few things you definitely pointed out I mean before I even go into that I I mean you found a child care center in California that allowed diaper free time that's amazing yes (laughs) I just wanted to say that (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I do see that this whole process includes a a few different aspects you know we're talking about connection communication with our children um what is known also as uh, excuse me attachment parenting breastfeeding um you know the support system constant again communication um allowing them to be allowing them to lead us and trusting them uh to trust themselves you know, um, sign language is a tool also that you incorporated within your journey in elimination communication. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you feel helped along the process and, um, you know, allowed you to be so successful in this practice? Um, did you mention community? Community. I did mention support, but yes, community. Yeah, I think that was... A very helpful point for me to be able to communicate with people who were on the journey or who had gone through the journey, but also to be able to openly communicate with my family Yes, about what my expectations are. Yes. Um, oh, sis. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think the journey would have been the same if I didn't have that support. So, you know, it was an aunt, my aunt Shelly, who mm-hmm. kind of said to me, Um, she opened the conversation when I was going through my challenges with my second child, feeling like, oh, I'm letting him down. I can't keep Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving him the same thing that he had, that his brother had his, you know, I was going through all of that stuff with her. And it was a conversation with her that said, you know, you're not a bad mom if you're not able to do that with him Mm. or, you know, you still, it doesn't change your love if you're not putting him on the toilet. You know, (laughs) it's not changing your love. So she understood the weight that I was putting on myself 
Mm. when it came to the process and it was her that said well maybe you don't start at six weeks old maybe you start at six months and it was being able to have conversations with her that helped me to release pressure from myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) um to be able to have a different type of communication internally right so that I could then have conversations with my children who at the time were what months old and one Right, right. Um, So I think being able to openly communicate, even if you're pregnant, right, and you're thinking about going on this journey. um, And I would send articles or podcasts to my family members, whether they read them or not. It didn't matter. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But I would share, you know, or I might send an article and say, oh, my goodness, look at these three points that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And I would then be able to bring my family into a space. Even the same thing with cloth diapering, because it was like, we're not doing that again. You know, yeah, we don't have to do that. You need to tell me I have to scoop the poop into something. I'm like, no, actually put them on the potty or I'll do that. You know, right. It just yes. opened up different ways for me to be able to communicate. And I think aside from all of those other resources that were very helpful, um, having community, whether it's family or not was extremely helpful for our journey. And I definitely feel like it was a communal journey and not just my journey Mm -hmm. um, space. And I do want to point out the childcare situation because I do know that, you know, I've never experienced trauma um, as it relates to sexual trauma and things like that. So some people may not be comfortable with allowing their children to be diaper free in strange spaces. And I just want to note that because sometimes... You know, people That's can process is something wrong with me because I did not. And no, it's not. You right, know, it's, right. it's perfectly normal to not allow that. Um, right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, but you were you made a conscious decision as a parent to allow your child to be diaper free within this small setting. Right. To people. So, yeah, I could definitely see how that can be uncomfortable, uncomfortable for a lot of folks, especially nowadays. I mean. I'm sorry, but I'm taking care of my baby at home. We're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So we make choices, you know, according to our lifestyles and, you know, what we need and what we really want to incorporate within our homes. Um, so thanks for highlighting that. And yeah. shout out to Aunt Shelly. Like, whoa, <laughs> thank you for saving a soul, Aunt Shelly. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for communicating and bringing out the light in a tough time. We appreciate that. Yes, for sure. Indeed. Yes, this. Well, I am so thankful that, you know, we having this conversation that you shared so much. You've invited us into your home. You've shared your jewels, your light um, on this topic. And I know you have so much more to share. I mean, we, you know, sometime down the line, I'm going to bring you on. I'm going to speak about birth justice, which is a powerful topic and important vital topic in our community that we must address. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. But for this moment, I'm really thankful for this exchange. I really feel it's going to be helpful for a lot of moms out there, a lot of families out there. Um, And just providing support, information, resources, and encouragement. Yes. Yes. We are here together. (laughs) <laughs> indeed indeed absolutely it, it takes a village to raise a child but it also takes a village to raise an adult mm. I mean, that is so real <laughs> word yes yeah so thank you i'm glad you're a part of my community i'm glad you came onto this platform and um yeah 
that that that's that's a wrap for now <laughs> yes thank you so much and if anybody has like questions or they want to ask something a little bit further um I can be reached at Majuta Wellness, M-A-J-U-T-A Wellness. Um, that's my, what is it, the handle on Instagram. So if you want to ask questions or anything like that, I'm always open to share. Great. Um, and the email is the same, Wellness at gmail.com. Awesome. Um, and I'm listen, I believe in community. I believe in each one, teach one. And yes. we move forward together. So... In the yes. spirit of Umoja always, yes. <laughs> what I know I'm always willing to share. And awesome. thank you, thank you for having this podcast and even for inviting me on because I think it's a great way for us to be able to connect as parents, yes. um, as parents of color, to yes. be able to let folks know that we too have these conversations and they're yes. important and helpful. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so oh, thank nice. you, thank you and keep yes. going. All right. All right. I received that and I'll take it. <laughs> yes, definitely. So I'm going to include your contact information um, down below. So anyone that wants to follow Majuta Wellness, please do. She's also providing great information within the community. And as she mentioned, she's open uh, to speak, to share, um, to collaborate. So um, reach out uh, Majuta Wellness on Instagram and Gmail. All right, family, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, drop a rating and a review down below if you're listening on Apple Podcast um, again so that you can help us grow. I really would appreciate that and I appreciate you. Uh, and until we speak next time, take a nice, slow, deep breath. Notice your breath. Allow your breath to expand your abdomen. Allow space between your ribs and allow your even your spine to expand. Notice it and be within that breath. And as you are within that breath, just give thanks for life. All right? If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. What you waiting for? All right? Until such time, peace and blessings. <laughs>